With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. What is up, everybody? Welcome into this Wednesday guest episode of Flippin' Bats, where stud rookie for the Baltimore Orioles infielder Gunnar Henderson is about to join me. Uh, the current favorite, I'd say, to win AL Rookie of the Year, and we're going to talk all about this season for him personally, for the Orioles in general, if he believes this team is good enough to win the World Series, as well as a ton throughout his life, you know, growing up in Alabama uh, and, and his ability to get to the big leagues as young as he did that entire process uh, this ends up being a really fun conversation as well as you know this year for him started off with him being the rookie of the year favorite and it was a bit of a struggle it was a struggle for him to this to start the season so talking to him about how he was able to get out of that and uh, there might have might or might not have been a haircut that helped him turn it all around. But this is a really fun conversation with one of the best players and one of the youngest players in the game of baseball. The future is so bright for the Orioles and Gunnar Henderson is a very, very big part of that. So without further ado, let's welcome him in now, Gunnar Henderson. All right, and here he is now, infielder for the Baltimore Orioles, Gunnar Henderson. Gunnar, thank you so much for joining me, man. Let's start with the most important question I feel like I have for you. Did you get a tighter helmet this year? I feel like it was popping off all the time last year, not so much this year. Yeah, so uh, our clubby Brady Tyler came up with this contraption, and we took a earpiece out of one of the uh, Bad Boys helmets. So they, they go around the field with one earpiece and a helmet, and the other one's in, in my helmet to keep it on my head. So uh, that's how it stays on now. And so last year, I mean, your first hit in the big leagues, it pops off. Obviously, the home run, really cool moment. Helmet comes off, the hair flapping in the wind as you round the bases. Um, did did that play out like even more perfectly than you could have ever imagined? Did you imagine a world in which you come up to the big leagues and your first hit is a homer? No, I mean, when you get up there, you're just honestly hoping to get at least one and for the first one to be a homer. I mean, that was a uh, most real moment, especially with my family there to be able to share that with them. And uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think anybody dreams it. Or, I mean, you dream of it, but you don't ever <laughs> expect it to happen whenever you go up. So. Hey, and so with the timing of you coming up last year, I know last year when once Adley came up, the season really turned around for for the Orioles and then you come up really right in the middle of, of a playoff push I mean the the thought of the playoffs last year for the Orioles I don't think was on most people's radar and then you know you were in position until the last weekend of the year and fast forward to this year and best team in the American League uh and in position to be the one seed I mean how much fun 
has baseball been at Camden Yards this year? It just looks like an absolute blast. Yeah, no, it's awesome, especially with uh, the crowds getting bigger. It seems like every series we come back and then being able to have the celebrations, which brings a crowd into it with the splash zone out and left. It's, uh, it's really fun and a really good time at the ballpark right now. I've, I've been saying this for, I feel like, months. I need to be a part of the splash zone and the bird bath out in left field. Is it a must? It looks like it's a must. Oh yeah. It seems like we have a special guest. I've seen uh, Adam Jones out there a few times. He's been in so, it. <laughs> uh, yeah. He's been out there. He's been leading the, leading the crowd out there. So it's uh, it looks like a really good time out there. I, I feel like the Orioles organization as a whole, when you look at just how you guys are set up with all of the rookie studs up there now, and there's still plenty more names to come. I also think Jackson holiday might be one of the best when he gets up. He looks unbelievable. Is it fair to say that the Baltimore Orioles are on the cusp of a potential dynasty for the next decade? I mean, I would like to think so. I've got to see uh, everybody excluding the uh, new draft guys play and just see how great of people they are and then also how great of ball players they are and it just seems like it's a great mix for a, a long um championship run for many years to come what about this year can the orioles win the world series this year uh, i wholeheartedly believe we can man it's been a it really has been a blast to watch you guys out there and like you said the crowds are just getting bigger and bigger and bigger some of my you know like fondest memories growing up uh, my brother's nine years older than me. So some of my fondest memories when with him, with the tigers, maybe they weren't the most fond memories because they lost that series, but going to Camden yards uh, yeah. and just seeing the crowd there and, and how passionate they are. And to see that come back this year for you guys, I feel like has been awesome. And I can't imagine how much it, it helps you guys. You know, it feels like that team is feeding off the energy of the Orioles crowd. Yeah, I mean, I've seen a lot of videos from that. I think it was the 2014 playoffs. Yeah. Um, yep. And just seeing all the orange towels uh, in the stands. The Delman Young, this. bases I'm loaded, hoping, double. Yeah. It's tough. I'm hoping, I'm hoping they bring out the orange towels for this year because that'd be a surreal sight. Yeah. So this season, uh, it felt like for you, um, you know, last year you come up, have a lot of success. This year... Um, the beginning of the season started off a bit of a struggle and, and now you're again, having a great year. What was it for you? You think at the beginning of the year that helped you turn it all around? I talk often about how baseball is the most mental sport in the entire world where you're failing 70% of the time and you're one of the best to ever do it. So it's obviously a game of failure. How were you able to push through that mentally and turn it into the season you're now having? Yeah, so I'm going to go back, uh, I think it was two years ago, to when I was in Aberdeen. I started out, as soon as I got called up, uh, first two weeks of going to high, I went 0 for 31. Mm -hmm. And uh, the experience I went through there, I felt like I was trying to change something every day, just trying to feel good at like BP or in the cage and just trying to search for something that would, I guess, give me the slightest confidence of, oh, here it is. Now try this in the game. and then. Yeah felt like you're just, I was just going down a rabbit hole and getting further and further away from the ultimate goal of getting through the slump and, uh, go, uh, go into this year. Uh, when I got up, I was going through the struggle, but I felt like the struggles I went through in high, um, helped limit that. Cause whenever you go through that certain thing, you want to change, you feel like you have to change something to have success. And 
whenever I was going through it, uh, I had a bunch of guys around me pretty much, uh, hitting coaches and the whole team. They were, uh, they had my back and was just giving me great insights on what they went through and how they combated it. And I felt like it was just a great team effort. And then whenever I finally broke through and was able to start having a little bit of success, um, it felt like I haven't turned back. Was it hard for you? So obviously the experience in high A helped you a lot. Was it hard going through it in the big leagues and realizing that you needed to stick with that because you already experienced it? And like your, your mind probably wants to say, well, this is the big leagues now. I need to change and I need to adapt. I can't imagine it was easy to stick to that plan while at the big league level. Oh, no, it was one of the hardest things I've been through. Uh, yeah. It's definitely the hardest thing to think uh, process minded especially going through it because you're uh, sitting there looking off the scoreboard every night and batting about yeah. above 40 and uh, just all those things kind of tie in mentally. But uh, anybody who is go goes through it, um, if there's one thing you can take from it, I would just say stick to your process no matter uh, what the what the scoreboard says. I mean, you got to stick to something and whatever makes you who you are, I feel like that's what you have to do. And just trust that if you stick to the process and just put in the right work uh, day in and day out, that eventually uh, you're going to take over and uh, the results will start to come. There was also a mid-season haircut that turned it all around, right? <laughs> yeah. So we were in Milwaukee and I was just going to get a trim. I was just trying to get the sides uh, kind of tightened up a little bit because I don't really <laughs> like when it sticks too far outside of my hat. Yeah. And as soon as, as soon as we got in there, it seemed like the, uh, the scissors went straight across the back and I was like, well, here we go. You the could feel, you knew it happened while it was happening. Yeah. He went straight across. And I was like, <laughs> oh, no. <It's, laughs> we're already in there now. So yeah, we, uh, got it cut and lo and behold, uh, started hitting really well after that. So, uh, maybe, maybe down the road, that'll be my hairstyle, but, uh, we're letting it grow back out. right So now. you have, you haven't cut it since I was going to say, are you going back to ask for that exact cut next time? I guess I have a picture of it. So I don't think we'll go back to Milwaukee, but, uh, yeah, if, I, if I need it, I guess I have a picture of it. <laughs> well, let's talk about you personally. You're a guy from Alabama and growing up there. Are you a, so you grow up a Auburn or an Alabama guy? Uh, Auburn fan. Okay. Grow up an Auburn fan. So I guess, all right. So I feel like one of the coolest moments in sports history, you're one of those moments you remember where it was, was the kick six. It happened in 2013. Obviously you're a young kid at that point, but where were you for the kick six? So I was in my living room with my family and some of my, my cousins, we were all in there watching that. And I just remember it. We're just sitting there. My hands are sitting there sweating. Hoping <laughs> this kick doesn't go in and we see it. And, uh, just, he ended up scoring and I still remember that Rob Bramlett call. Uh, it just gives me chills every time I, I hear it on like a flashback on Instagram or something. So, uh, it was a really special moment for us. And then you grow up and end up committing to Auburn where I think you probably knew my hitting coach from old dominion, Carl Nonamaker, right? Yes, sir. So 
you end up going in the draft instead of going to play there at Auburn. What was that process like for you? Was it hard? Obviously growing up an Auburn guy and obviously I would assume wanting to play there your whole life, but you end up getting drafted. Was it a tough thing for you to, to not go play there and to end up going in the draft? Yeah. So my older brother actually walked on there. So he was going to be there for my first, my freshman year. And that would have been his uh, senior year. Oh, that would have been my cool. First cousin, yeah. My first cousin who I played baseball with, uh, literally since we could play was going there as well. And then one of my best friends from the travel ball team was going there as well. So <laughs> I had a, had a good group there. So definitely it was a tough decision-making process, but my older brother, uh, Jackson, he was, uh, big in the decision because he said this is what you've wanted to do your your whole career or your whole life and uh i mean if it's what you want to do then um i mean why not go for it so yeah it was uh definitely a tough decision but yeah. i'm glad I'm, i felt like i made the right one and i wouldn't want to be in any other any other position i am right now so what was draft day like for you how was that whole day and how did it turn out uh, so whenever they say go in and expect the worst, yeah, that's what, that's what, um, I should have listened to <laughs> going through it. Um, I mean, it wasn't the worst, but just going through it, I was thinking maybe around like middle of the pack of the first round, 15, mm-hmm. 16. And then if I fell back, maybe, uh, late twenties and, yeah. um, it just kept falling and falling. And, uh, eventually it was like, I'm going to go to Auburn because I didn't think any team was going to meet the number. And then, uh, lo and behold, the, the Orioles came with, and, uh, they exceeded the number that I had. And yeah. I actually didn't even get to see my name called because from the first round to the second round, they changed the TV channel. And, uh, <laughs> I was the first pick of the second round. So, so you, missed, you didn't get to see the it. Bottom of the board. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. You, end, so you end up, signing, obviously kind of shooting up through the minor league system where you really became like in the Orioles minor leagues, they kind of started turning you into not a utility guy, but multiple position, mostly third base, mostly shortstop back and forth. And I want to ask you if I were to say to you, you know, the Baltimore Orioles and and five years are world series champions and Gunnar Henderson is the starting blank on that team. What, what position do you want to ultimately be? Uh, so I was drafted as a shortstop and that's what I played my whole life. So that's what I would love to play. And, um, yeah, just continue to stay there and just show my athleticism there. Have you been able to, uh, a couple weeks ago or recently on the show, I had Cal Ripken jr. On, and he spoke about how he, he takes pride in, in the fact that he was kind of that first shortstop that really changed the position, right? He's a bigger guy, six, three, six, four. So are you. And obviously he's an Orioles legend, same organization. Have you been able to, to lean on him or have conversations and learn anything from Cal Ripken? Uh, so we haven't had much time, but when we had our uh, 40th anniversary of the world series, I got to talk to him and chat with him a little bit. And, uh, He's just saying he was glad to see me at, at shortstop because, like you said, he was a taller shortstop, and uh, so am I. So he said he loved my actions over there and just uh, continue to get better at it and really enjoyed watching me out there. That's pretty cool, though. I mean, he's one of the greatest to ever do it, and to have him say something like that, I mean, it's got to be something that uh, you'll have with you forever, I feel like, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because he's an Orioles legend, and uh one of the best to do it. So it was really cool to be able to talk, chat with him and uh, spend time with him. Are there a lot of guys I, I'm always interested because 
in the Tigers organization, we always had like legends around, you know, like Al Kaline was always around Kirk Gibson, Alan Trammell, Willie Horton. What about coming up through the Orioles organization, like spring training, uh, roaming around and they're being rovers in the minor leagues are ever, are there ever legends coming around the organization? Uh, so spring training, uh, this was actually my first big league spring training. I had, I made the big league team. Then I got to go to big league spring training. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I never got to go to a big league camp going through, uh, the minor leagues. So I didn't really get to be around to see if there were, but this year, Eddie Murray came around for a little bit. Um, I think that was, I think that was about it that I remember. Um, but yeah, during, during the season, there's a few guys that come in and out and, even outside of like Orioles players, we'll have some Ravens guys come in and uh, just hang out in the locker room. So it's pretty cool being able to have that. And last year, it was actually right around this time you ended up making your big league debut. But at the beginning of that season, you started in double A and you sent your girlfriend a text at the beginning of that year talking about your vision for that season. I wanted what what did that text say? Because it seems like a pretty cool story. Yeah, no, I just told her at the beginning of the season, I said, I'm going to make it to the big leagues this year. And that was that was a goal. And that's what I've had in my mind since the season before ended. And I went into the off season, just trained with that mindset and just really went into it, expecting to be in the big leagues by the end of the year. And uh, lo and behold, I was able to accomplish that and uh, just really put my head down and went to work that year. Are you a big like vision guy, like setting your mind to something and knowing it's going to happen and that helping you mentally? Yeah. So I like to always myself, I know how self or internally driven I am. Yeah. And, uh, I like to set goals that, uh, I feel like I can accomplish and it may seem kind of out there for others, but I, I know myself and I feel like that that's something I can accomplish. And I take that into every year and try to set a goal that, um, uh, I can exceed. What makes you so driven you think i mean you're 22 years old didn't go to to college came out of high school where you probably had success your whole life there on a baseball field what in you makes you as internally driven as you are i feel like uh it was from my parents and then also just growing up my love for baseball um since i pretty much could start playing whenever we uh Moved to our new house in Selma. My dad built the baseball field behind our house. And That's cool. I was able to go out there and practice every day. And then even before preschool, my dad, my dad and I would get up at like six in the morning, go out and long toss, it seemed like every morning. So I felt like just the internal drive I had from a very young age and then uh kind of vocalizing that I wanted to be a major league baseball player from at the time I could start playing and always remembering that. Now I think the story's been out before, but I remember telling or somebody asking what I wanted to be when I grew older. And I told them I wanted to play baseball for a living. And they just said that, you know, how uh, hard it is and not many people can do it. Just kind of sat with me. And I felt like I've just really put in the work each and every day and to accomplish this goal. And I feel like I'm just getting started. I kind of have a similar story, though I didn't, it didn't end up working out long-term, but I did end up playing professionally. But I remember in elementary school, um, we were asked like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I said, I want to be a professional baseball player. 
And my teacher came back and told me to pick something more realistic. And every step of the way, I remembered that, like going to college. And then the day I got drafted, it's like something that I looked back on. And, you know, I'll never go back to that teacher and be like, see, I told you so. But it, it really is something that just like sticks in my mind of people like doubting you along the way. And uh, that's got to be something you'll remember forever. Yeah, it just adds fuel to the fire. So you're just so your dad built it. Was it like a full size baseball field? So, uh, yeah, I mean, as it was a, uh, I can't remember the dimensions of the fence, but it, it was just everything that we needed, just a full dirt infield yeah. outfield. It, it was probably like two sixty down the lines. I mean, nothing crazy, probably like 300 to center, but I mean, uh, still everything excellent. we needed for yeah. yeah, everything is pretty much. So in Selma, we didn't have, uh, much baseball field wise. So that was pretty much where we spent all our practices for little league. And then we had a travel ball team. That my dad coached and that was up until I was about 11 or 12. So we, I spent pretty much every day after school out, out there on that baseball field. Wow. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. So you did end up, obviously, you sent that text and you did end up getting up to the big leagues that year. Again, right, right around this time. I got to ask, what was, I, I love asking people this story because I, I say it every time I have guys on, but it's that call that every kid dreams of, right? And to for me to get so close to it and, and never get it. I love hearing the stories from people of what that moment was like. So for you, what was your call up to the big leagues moment? Like, uh, so mine was a little different. So after the game, uh, we kind of sat around for a little bit and it was the first game that Joey Ortiz and Colton Cowser got up to triple it. Mm-hmm. So after the game, uh, we left and went to a little burger spot down in downtown Norfolk. And oh, that's where I went to college, by the way. I went to ODU. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, there we go. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I can't remember the name of the burger place, but um, we, uh, we were sitting there, literally just placed our orders, and then I get a call from the trainer saying, hey, we need you to come back to the field. So I drove my truck over there, so I was like, ah, just take a scooter and go get, <laughs> go get uh, whatever he needs. So I take that over there and walk by the manager manager's office, uh, Buck Britton, and he calls me in there. And then I see the phone set up or the iPad, and I'm like, ah, I kind of know what's going on here. <laughs> so, yeah, it all happens. And then, um, yeah, I get to call my family, and then they're just ecstatic. And uh, then I get a text from Joey and Colton's like, hey, your, your burger's ready. I'm like, uh, well... <laughs> I just got caught up. So, uh, could y'all get that to go? <laughs> so, yeah, I got the, I was at the field and then they ended up taking a scooter over to the field and then getting my keys and going back and getting my truck. So yeah, that was uh, a pretty interesting and a memorable, uh, call up night. So. so you did see that you like saw the phone and iPad set up. So it's obviously like, well, something good is happening. Yeah. So yeah, I had a, I had an idea, but I uh, just went along with it. Did you, and so you end up going straight up to the big leagues and, you know, we talked about your, your first hit being the Homer, but did you ever have like a funny welcome to the big league sort of moment that happened to you? Uh, well, 
I wouldn't say it was really funny, but uh, I would say my first at bat, I hit a foul ball and then Stephen Kwan climbed up halfway up the wall and uh, <laughs> caught it and then turned to double play. I was like, well, uh, I guess everybody uh, at all the defensive outfielders really good here. So, <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was pretty funny. I'm not down in Norfolk that. anymore. No. <laughs> yeah, they uh, they make a lot of the routine or pretty much all the routine plays and then they'll make those extraordinary plays like that one. All right. I got some fun questions for you before we wrap up. And the first of which is who on the Orioles has the best hair? Cause there's a lot of good hair on the team. Best hair. Uh, so we'll go with Dean Kramer. I feel like he's got a full head of lettuce and the, uh, he manicures it pretty well. What about before your haircut? Would you have taken you? Uh, Maybe with a hat on whenever I take it <laughs> off and I have to try and style it. It's not, not the greatest I, I had to put some, uh, hair product in there to get it to stay back. So. <laughs> All right. A lot of, a lot of rookies on this team, a lot of fun rookies, a lot of guys that'll be around for a long time, but it is a very young core of the team. So a few questions about this rookie class. The first of which is who is the funniest rookie? Uh, so we'll go with Colton Kowser on that one. He, uh, he's like the class, he'd be the class clown if we were in a uh, grade <laughs> together. Who's the smartest? Smartest. Um, I would have to probably say, I'd say Westberg probably. Okay. What about the fastest? Uh, I'd like to throw my name up there. I'm, I'm pretty <laughs> sneaky. I feel like I could, I can sneak up. Sneaky fast, sneaky fast. Yeah. Uh, best looking of the bunch. <laughs> uh, I don't want to toot my own horn. But. <laughs> Love that. Well, that's a great answer. All right. Uh, so far in your career, uh, we're coming up on the, the one year mark. Who is the toughest pitcher that you have had to face so far? Hmm. So, uh, we'll go with, we'll start with a starter. Um, I felt like, so last year facing, uh, Justin, your brother, I felt like, I saw him well. And then I had a, the least bit of, uh, I was trying to hit a ball just the least bit harder. And then it felt like his stuff just played up that much more. And interesting. Uh, it just, yeah, it just seemed like if you tried just a little bit more off of him, it plays up and it's, insanely hard to hit and i felt like that's what you get with these uh just legendary pitchers is any time that you try to do just a little bit more and not take what they're giving you that's when you uh get out a lot so is there you said we'll start with starters is there a reliever that yeah, comes to so mind the reliever that uh had i felt like was really good uh was emmanuel classe just yeah uh, 102 mile hour cutters, cutters in on your hands. <laughs> yeah. Especially for a lefty. Cause you don't, I mean, you have to get it to start almost on the white line of the other batter to have a chance for not to break your bat. So what is it for you? You said against Justin, like the second you try and do a little bit more, you're screwed. What is a situation for you? Is that something that you intentionally will try to do or you just get amped up based on the situation? Like when can you feel yourself trying to do a little bit more in the box? Yeah. So my first at bat, it kind of set me up for the following bat to try a little bit more. Like I hit a ball, uh, the left field that was pretty good. It was right to the left fielder, but I felt like I got on it pretty well. And then, um, just being a rookie, I mean, you see, I mean, he's been pitching, for almost the same amount of time since you've been born. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
So it was like, it was a pretty surreal moment. And then I was like, oh, it'd be so cool to, to hit a homer. Cause I mean, why not? I mean, <laughs> he's one of the best pitchers in the game. And uh, yeah. And then as soon as I tried to do that, it was like the slider and cutter playing so much uh, higher and they're moving a lot more and you just don't, you try not to, are you getting them away from what you're good at and trying to do a little bit more? And then uh, you ended up, or I ended up, I think, punching out the next at bat. <laughs> Interesting though. So you'll have, you'll yeah. have your approach. You'll start a game with your typical approach and based on how you're seeing a guy, you know, if you, if you see a guy really well, your first at bat, you can try and amp it up just a little bit. Your next at bat, if you're seeing him well. Yeah, I think that was the, the first, not like the first bit, I guess I'm still a rookie now, but I'll say like the very beginning of the rookie stage was that's what uh, I got and I've learned from it. So uh, whenever I, so when I'm in that situation now, I don't really uh, try and amp up anymore because that you might get one, one homer out of all that. Yeah. Uh, of many times that you do it. And so I just try to stay even minded when, uh, if I have a good at first at bat and then, even if I don't have a good at first bat, just yeah. stay even minded and just try to take what they're giving you. So far in your career, the favorite stadium that you've gotten to visit. Uh, so I have, I have two, actually Seattle was pretty cool. So yeah. we'll make that third, but uh, tie for first would be Fenway and probably uh, Oracle park. I mean, complete opposite stadiums. So Fenway, yeah. that may, Fenway for the nostalgia of it yeah. all in Oracle, yeah, just cause it's awesome. At least in there. Cause we'll play there the most, but um yeah, the San Fran trip was pretty cool just from watching all the playoff games. And then uh, Jake Peavy was at, he lived, uh, he had a ranch like 30 minutes from my house. So I got to spend a good amount of time with him and he helped coach our high school team. So that was pretty cool to be able to go there and then just experience the playoff moments that I've watched. Do you have a least favorite that you've been to so far? Uh, well, they're all better than the minor league stadium. So I, I, I don't really have a least favorite so far. Have you been to Oakland yet? Uh, we go there right after we get done in San Diego. Every, so. Everybody's answer is either Oakland or somewhere that they've really struggled in their career. Like Oh, for 20, yeah. it's either <laughs> Oakland Coliseum sucks or I hate this place and I never want to play there again because I can't hit there. <laughs> yeah. I'm, uh, I'm sure it's inevitable at some point, but I hope not to have a uh, big O for at one specific stadium. Yeah, but hopefully yeah, not. We'll go to Oakland after this series. So I'll be able to experience that. All right, Gunner, fill in the blank here. The 2023 AL rookie of the year will be Gunner Henderson. Love that. I love that, man. Thank you so much for joining me. This has been a, a lot of fun, by the way, you're a big video game, right? Guy, right? Yes, sir. What mostly do you play any of the show? Uh, I played a little bit. Yeah. When it first came out and then, uh, being in baseball season, don't really want to keep playing baseball when I'm outside of it. But, uh, yeah, right now I've been playing a lot of apex and then rocket league with, uh, Colton Kowser. So oh, now, been and, playing that. and Adley, you, Adley will get joined up with us as well. And some rocket league. So, Adley, so it's a, you got a big rocket league team going on. Yeah. So we'll, we'll play. And then he has some of his buddies that will, uh, have some private matches and play against each other. So it's uh pretty fun. I've we carried never, it on from uh last spring training. It is it's it's not an easy game. It looks <laughs> it looks like if you're just watching, but then you can watch those guys that like stream it and they're like the best in the world and you realize yeah. how difficult it is to actually play. 
I'm not great at it. I love COD. I suck at COD though. I just, you know, video games are fun. They're, they're exactly what you do. They're to like, keep your relationship with your closest friends and have, it's, it's great. So it's cool to hear that you guys have that going on with the team. Yeah. It's just a way to stay connected with everybody. So yeah. Gunner, thank you so much for joining me, man. Good luck the rest of the year. Uh, good luck to the Orioles this season and the playoffs. I'll be rooting for you, man. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Of course. Thanks, man. See ya. All right. Thanks again to Gunnar Henderson for joining me. That Orioles team is going to be very, very good for a long, long time. He'll be a big part of that. Adley Rutschman there as well. Grayson Rodriguez, one of the their young pitchers that throws a hundred and is nasty on the mound. That team is fun. Um, and I, I'll say it again. I need to get out to the bird bath out in left field. Anybody does. If you're a fan of baseball, go sit in the bird bath out in left field at, uh, at Camden yards. It looks like a really, really fun time, but a good conversation with him. What a stud 22 years old and becoming quickly one of the best players in the game. And he's a big part of that Orioles success. So how far can they go this year? They are the best team in the American league currently, Uh, He believes they can win the World Series and they're certainly going to do some damage in the playoffs this year. So thank you all for listening to this episode with Gunnar Henderson. Make sure you're all subscribed wherever you listen to your podcast. Hit that subscribe or follow button, Apple, Spotify, wherever. We're also on all social media, including YouTube, where you can watch every single thing we do on this brand new, beautiful new set. So at Flippin' Bats Pod anywhere on socials. That does it for this episode. Until tomorrow, my friends, peace.